0: So we are doing chapter 21 from the Guru Charitra. It is called Guru Stan Mahima. This chapter describes how Shri Guru Nath, moved by pity at the sorrow of a woman, brings back the dead child to life. Siddha Yogi continued with the narrative. The Brahmachari consoled and comforted and said, No one has come into the world to live and stay permanently. Death is inevitable to whomsoever is born. This body is perishable and cannot last indefinitely. The body is constituted of the five elements. When the elements mutually combine and take a form, it is called a body. Man is enveloped by the covering of illusion called avidya and he forgets his eternal nature. The body is just a vesture which the soul dons in its earthly sojourn. As the body wears out, the soul discards it as we discard old and worn out clothes and dons a new body just as we wear the new clothes. Man is really the soul which is immortal and he has no death in reality. It is a physical body that dies and drops off. But the core personality, the Atma, is deathless. So, now what is these elements, the five elements which make up of the body? Now you will wonder what is this mixing up of the elements that happens. See, mixing up of the elements means we have the panchabhutas. Panchabhutas consists of the air, water. Or so on and so forth. Now they have to mix around to create the human being that is the body. The body has to come from these Panchabhutas only. Now, when they are coming from the Panchabhutas, what happens is when the mixing is happening, body getting created, immediately remember this what is forming is a product. What is forming is a product the original knowledge that is existing is always going to get diluted in a product further and further simple example is when you are making say ghee or when you are making a chapati or some such type of a thing what happens to the person? what happens to that main ingredient? can you see heat inside a chapati? you can't it has got mixed around with water and so on and so forth, oil and ghee and whatever the chapati cannot, cannot directly point out towards the original substance, which is called wheat. Again, if you see any other product, like let us say a plastic bottle, you cannot see the plastic ingredients or basically the granules or even for that matter the ethylene or some such type of a product that it has come from. Can you see the gas? No. It has become more and more advanced. And as more and more mixing around happens, there is a lot of ignorance that comes into the picture. Because essentially, human beings are eternal in nature. That is the soul, the the Atma is eternal in nature. But when it is mixed around with these ingredients, it becomes lesser and lesser. And it has to create a body with the body by itself is going to have a lesser life also. You will understand it when, if you take for, for that matter, you know, Multiple elements coming together. Now let us say for example water. You know water's freezing temperature is 0 degrees. Okay. You mix a little salt in it. And then try to freeze the water. It will not freeze at 0. It will freeze at minus some other degree. Minus 3, 4 or maybe 5 or 6. I don't know. It is going to because there is impurity in that. The impurity is going to create a little bit of a problem so that freezing temperatures are going to be still different. It's the same thing, every type of impurity that is involved in the person is going to create further loops into the system. That is the reason why body is considered as ignorance. The Brahmachari continued his advice to the woman as follows. Everything is predetermined by destiny by the deeds of one's past life or lives. We have to accept events as they come and should try to understand and experience the higher truth. Though we cannot alter much the course of the prarabdha karma, yet we should try by righteous living to refrain from evil and to bring a brighter and happier future for the next life. But the ultimate purpose of life is to realize the eternal self, and gain freedom from the cycle of birth and death forever. That is the real sadhgati. This is a very beautiful line. Understand, we cannot override prarabdha karma. Prarabdha karma is like a fixed stamp on our head, you know. You have to go through it. There are no options for anybody in this world. But the choice is there that you have to be a righteous person in this life. Why is it becoming so important that you become a righteous person? See, this life you have already come with some defects, some problems, some things that you have to go through. You may have to go through something like a poverty throughout your life. You may have to go through a very ugly face, you may have to go through a very ugly body or you may have to go through, these are basically your prarabdha has entitled you to that. Sometimes you have to go through where parents die very early in life. Yes, you have come with that kind of a problem in your material world. Okay. It is a prarabdha karma, you have to go through it. Sometimes you lose some people in your world. Sometimes they die, you know, something or the other keeps on happening. Or you yourself, you know, you may be a very rich person and suddenly one day you become very poor. Or you may, you are a pure poor person and you become very rich. Either of these things, whichever thing that we are talking about happens. When that happens it is all under the domain of prara of the karma and prara of the karma can never be eliminated then what is it that can be done first and foremost we have to understand that we have to have a righteous life we cannot have a life where we are going to keep on doing all unrighteous things in this world what are the unrighteous things people take uh, take up all different kinds of wrong habits like gambling drinking womanizing this that so many things they keep on doing or They keep on telling lies continuously they are telling lies or they keep on robbing people something or the other you know these kind of things these things are going to destroy your future lives because they are going to keep on coming back isn't it let us say for example you have taken something from somebody or some person some money you have to return it back if you don't then you have to come in your next life and return it back So it is anyway going to be a part and parcel of your future life. So why not be righteous in this life? So that you are going to save from the future lives. Now this is one part that you need to see. When you do not have a guru and you do not have any technique of getting out of this material world. But if you have a guru. But if you have been taught the methods of how to override the future. Then why not use those techniques? And understand that there is a chance of cutting this cycle of life and death why do you want to keep on coming again and again and again and again and getting mixed up in all these kind of things so the first thing that you need to understand is why not use those techniques which is going to destroy your future lives you don't have to come back secondly why not go towards knowing god that is realizing the self Why is it not difficult? Why is it so difficult that you cannot realize yourself? It is easy. You have to follow the track which your Guru puts you in and then you will be able to understand. What a false attachment you are suffering from for this son of yours. You weren't his mother in the previous life. You will not be his mother again in the next birth. Then you are his mother, this birth of his is just incidental. Why moan over a transient kinship, forgetting eternal truths? Life is like a bubble. It will burst off at any time. How long will it last has been predetermined by destiny. It is futile crying over death. Now let your relative take the dead body away for the cremation and thereby help to speed up this jiva's ascent to higher births. That is Sadhgati. Don't bind it down here. But the woman was inconsolable. She said she did all the worship bid by Guru Nan. The son was a gift to her by Guru Nan. How would God snatch away a gift he himself has given? She has been betrayed by Guru Nath. She complained, I will take the body of my child to the Guru's Padukas and end my life there. Now what had happened was, the child has died and the mother is inconsolable. The Brahmin is telling her very nicely that, please allow that child to go away. It is important for that child to actually go away. Why? Because the child, see when we, what was mentioned in this line is very very crucial for every person to understand. This life you may have that child as your son or your daughter. Do you think in the last life that child, the, whoever that person is, you are a part of that uh, person's life? You may not have, in, you may not even be. The person may be just an acquaintance may not have been in ex- acquaintance also maybe maybe nothing maybe a dog in your house or you might have been some animal in that house who knows that and in this life just because that person has come through your body why do you think it is your son or your daughter or some such thing you have grown attached towards that particular person so what that brahmin was telling her is don't get attached because in the next life you may be becoming some other person and that person is going to become some other person there is no need for you to have so much of attachment secondly isn't it important that you have to let go of that person if you let go then you will find that that person has a better chance of getting out of this loop of life and death now you are keeping that person tied now let us say for example just think about it like this the person is di- died at the age of 15 or 16 okay and you go and ask gurunat okay i want this child this person back in my life that person will live for the next 40 or 50 years after that are you not responsible for the 50 years of karma that person is going to undertake think about it so the 50 years of that person's life You will still be the mother of that person. Being a mother of that person, you are the one who has made that person come back. Have you not made that person come back? All the sins that are going to accrue, all the karma that is going to happen, are you not going to be responsible for those karmas? You have taken charge. You are the one who has said, I want this person back. On top of it, you are cursing your guru. She is cursing her Guru, saying that, you know, he should have given this. How would God snatch away the gift he has given? She has been betrayed by Guru Nath, is what she says. We all think, you know, our Gurus betray us. Don't ever say these kind of words because you are going to get into a bigger loop than you can ever imagine. Because calling Guru names is literally like a Guru, you know, that Gohathya, as we say. It's as big as a Gohathya. You cannot blame God or Guru for all the problems that you have. See, Guru's sharp will come later because Guru may get angry. He may say certain words which are not going to be conducive to you. And you you may end up into something which can never be taken out of the system. So let us say this, that it is not conducive or it is not healthy to say these kind of words. If the Guru blesses you and says, okay, Now you have the son again for the next 50 years of your life. Then what happens? Are you not responsible? You have the greatest responsibility is because you have taken the onus of not only your sins but the sins of that person and his children and their children and their children. Are you responsible for them or no? That person at the age of 15 was not having a child or anything, isn't it? But at the age of 25 that, that son can get married. He may have children. And those children will would not have come if he would have died at the age of 15. Think. Logically also it will be also appear to you like that. You, can you understand how big a big problem that a person may create by asking for such type of boons? It's going to be a tremendous amount of problem. But anyway, human beings are bound to get caught in these kind of loops. So what happens? The Brahmacharya then told her, if her heart was so much set on her dead son's life and she was feeling she could not live without him, she might take the body to, of the child to the Gurusthan and place it near the Padukas and do whatever she wanted thereafter. The woman and her husband came to the Gurusthan along with the body of the dead child. She placed the body near the Guru Padukas and again broke into songs. They sat down there. Meanwhile, as it was nearing sunset and as the woman remained so obstinate, the relatives and the people who came to do the death rites of the child left. It was night and the couple exhausted the strain that they went through the whole day, fell asleep at the spot only. In the night, the woman got a dream. She saw Guru Nath coming near her and telling her, Mother, do not grieve. Nobody will ever get disappointed who repose their faith in me. See, I am reviving your dead child. I am giving him longevity. The woman suddenly woke up. She was doubting whether it could be true. And lo, as she looked at the child, the child was opening his eyes. She put her hand on the body. The body was warming up. Thinking she was perhaps still dreaming or making sure she woke up her husband. He was also wondering, unable to believe anything. The boy cried out, Mother, I am feeling very hungry. Give me milk at least. Wonder of wonders, the woman's dry breast started overflowing with milk. The woman hugged her son to the bosom and suckled him with milk. The child became quite normal and healthy and was playful as he used to be. The couple fell prostrate at the Guru's padukas, shedding tears of gratitude to Guru Nar. At daybreak, when the relatives and other people came there, hoping that the woman would have been reconciled by then and would have handed over the body of the dead son for the rites to their wonder, saw the boy fully alive and playing with the parents fondling him with joy. They exclaimed, what a mighty power is Gurunath and how merciful and compassionate he is. Thus ends the twenty-fifth first chapter of Sri Guru Charitra describing an episode of the revival of the dead child. Glory to the all-merciful, the omnipresent and the ever-responsive Guru Nath. See, this is something which the woman didn't understand what she was supposed she is actually going through. Because of attachment to the child, because of attachment to that individual, a person can get into traps which nobody can imagine. Let us say for example, I will give you some other examples. Let us say for example, there is a young boy and a girl in love with each other. Now they, they, they are in love for many years, say 4 years, 5 years, 6 years. And suddenly something happens and the girl goes away, gets married, settles down somewhere else. Now, it may seem, now this, this is a very funny thing which happens, it may seem that the story has ended over there. Uh, on the contrary, it is actually created a bigger loop in the system. The loops are that you have attachments over there. And because the attachments are over there, the attachments have not been cut. There is no fine cutting over there of the bonds. And because there are no fine cuttings of the bonds, the attachment continues in the next life, and the next life, and the next life, and the next life. Isn't it such a dangerous thing? A person who has attachments with another human being, are going to continue to wallow in that kind of a problem in their next life and the next life and the next life as well. Think about it. There is a person who has done something wrong or bad to you. And you may have cut off from that person and you may have said, you know, I don't want to be a part of this person's world. And this is, and you may think, you know, the everything, the story might have ended. Who says the story has ended? The story might just be the middle part of it. Just the small middle portion. It may so happen that the person may continue in this life or in the next, or in the next, or in the next. What you have taken, you have to give. And what you have given, you have to take back. Isn't it? So suppose you have taken a solid beating from that person. So, in your next life or the next or whichever life that you are supposed to meet that person, you have to give him back, isn't it? So it's a human trap it's a trap which is going to keep a person completely teetered to life and death cycle and that is the reason why we cannot ask for these kind of things on the contrary, what we should do is we should seek out a spiritual master who would be able to eliminate these kind of things from our world The same person whom you don't want to meet in your next life or the next or the next you will keep on meeting that person again and again and again and what you went through you will have to go through and what he has gone through you will have to go through. It's a it's a ping pong ball game you know keeps on back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and that is the reason why to eliminate such kind of a problem in our world are very very important. The human beings, yes, you have asked a question, if we have to constantly try to eliminate life, life and death cycle, why are humans created at all? Humans are not created. It is your karma which gives you the body. The karma is what gives you the body. Knowingly or unknowingly you are performing a certain things in, in the material world. It may so happen that you may cut down a tree knowingly or unknowingly or if you are in olden times suppose you have you you had the chula chula you know na, where you uh, okay you have brought some wood from the from the jungles and you take some wood blocks and you put it in the chula and there is a big fire over there and on which you have cooked something now There were certain creatures who were living in that particular tree trunk. They get roasted. Think about it. These creatures, which are small creatures, they are going to get roasted in the fire which you have created. Now you have done this unknowingly. Don't you think you need to get back what you have done to them? So the life is continuing because of this. It is not continuing because God has got nothing else to do in the world. He has given you the life so that you can realize him. But we on the contrary want to keep us tagged in in this life birth cycle continuously. We just want to have it's like you know you go to this uh, big uh, you know uh, Disneyland or Disney World and all that. You have got an endless ticket. You have got a ticket from the super boss saying that you know you can have as many rides and as many days as you want. You may go the first day you may go for 10 rides. Second day you will want to come again. Oh I enjoyed that ride I want to go again. So you go for the second ride. And you go the third day. And you go the fourth day. Now, the precondition is when you signed on to the dotted line that you will enjoy all the rides and you cannot even leave one day. So, what happens to you on the 10th day, 11th day, 12th day, do you really think that you are going to enjoy those rides again and again? Isn't it like Mithaiwala? First day, you are you are, you are appointed as a, a manager in a Mithai shop. Okay? You like to eat Rabdi and you like to eat Peda and you like to eat that Chutarpeni and all those kind of things. You will eat it. Second day also, you will want to try the other products. Third day, you will want to try the other products. You know, by the time you come to the 10th and the 12th day, you have got so fed up of eating the sweets that after this even for by chance if you are given a little sweet to eat no you will not want to eat so a person who has got into this life and death cycle he has created a loop for himself he has signed up in that mitai shop I want to be an employee of this mitai shop how can the person get out of it? person can never I still remember Padma's guru, I met him I think only once. The type of things that he was doing is a system. The system is, there is a huge system over there. The system is completely upset. Think about it. There is somebody who is controlling a particular thing. You cannot take panga with that person. Okay. As I told you, you know, there is a ghost living in a tree. And you want to go and chop the tree down. And you want to destroy that ghost. You think about it. Will that ghost like it? If you are staying in the tree also, you won't like it. Somebody else coming and taking their place. That is what I was saying yesterday, you know, in the satsang that day. There are particular ghosts in a particular uh, place. When you try to remove them, or when you try to do all those kind of activities, they don't like it. Okay. So once upon a time, and in the last uh, few months of time, somebody came to me saying that there is a problem in my life because of these things. So the activity was that. The person was falling sick, there was a lot of disturbances in the family, so many things were happening and so on and so forth. What was it that could be done? So I said, first and foremost, do you believe in what I do? Yeah. Okay? Then you have to trust me in what I am doing. You will have to wait for two months. We will tame the ghost. We will ensure that he doesn't do any disturbances in your life. Today. That person's child plays with that ghost. He's become a friend. Why? Think about it. That house was the ghost's house. And you are the intruder in that. You understand? The house belonged to the ghost. Somebody had forcibly taken the property or something like that has happened. So what happens? Yes. So what happened was naturally you may call all those you know who have people and all that and things like that so i said nothing like that you don't have to do anything like that we just have to become friends so what happened they became friends so they learned to coexist so the ghost says you are happy to stay in my house i am happy to have you as a guest in my house though these people may be the legal owners of their property Think about it. So, today it's like a coexistence. Yes. Everybody is happy. Nobody is disturbing. It is like, you know, Casper, the friendly ghost story. <laughs> yes, there are destructive elements also. We need to tell them not to do these kind of things. Yes. So, that is the reason why when I met Ramachandra, I think that's his name. At that point in time, the only thing that I could do was, I could create a small atmosphere in which the person doesn't have that kind of a disturbance. The disturbance should not be there. I met him on double road somewhere, if I am not mistaken, in one house. I realized the type of problem that that person is actually going through. Unfortunately, that is something that person needs to avoid, but he was continuously getting into it. See, it is like, the chakra view. The chakra view is the thing which is, you know, Abhimanyu knew how to get in but did not know how to get out. So, every person who is into this kind of a thing should know. First, you should know how to get in and get out both. So, be safe. So, that is the reason why it is important. Coexistence is important. Not harming anybody is important. So, if you actually see, when the karma is happening, when karma happens with another person, if I have attachment towards that person, it is going to give me a very solid bonding in the future. That solid bonding is going to destroy my future. If I have a son or a daughter, or if I have a husband or a wife who are extremely possessive or extremely calculative in nature my next life and my next life and my next life and my next life is going to be destroyed because what I am doing today is what I am going to get tomorrow but this is because of attachment excessive attachment but let us see the same thing happening to another person you are walking on the road you smash into somebody's car you say sorry to him but the person keeps on hammering at you and says no you cannot do this and the person says you have to pay me 25,000 rupees for the damage that you have caused so you say you know your, your insurance company will give you the other person says the insurance company is not there in the picture so finally you do a mandali and you say ok I will settle for giving you 10,000 rupees and the person says ok fine 10,000 is done you have met that person for 2 minutes Two minutes, that accident happened. Ten minutes later, you have sorted out the problem. So twelve minutes is all the time that you have taken with that person because you do not have attachment with that person. You are only going to spend twelve minutes in your future life with that person. But if you get attached to that person, what happens? You have to spend an entire lifetime with a person. A uh, person like let's say, let's suppose you have an idiot husband or an idiot wife or somebody like that or an idiot son or a daughter or a husband or a mother-in-law or somebody like that and full day and night day and night day and night the same thing is happening you know in your future life also that attachment is there and it is going to continue and continue and continue and that is the reason why detachment is a very very important word yes it's a bond of hate or of love both bonds are going to coexist even the bond of love is, is exactly like that you see, think about it like this, okay? You may say a bond of hate, that is bad, sorry. Bond of love is worse than a bond of hate. I will tell you how it is. Let us say I love my dog more. And it's my puppy, it's my puppy, it's my puppy. Continuously you keep on saying. You feed him this and you feed him that and you feed... All these kind of things. Okay? And you make him a big round ball. Finally the puppy dies and has a dog, okay? You are going to have attachment till the end of your life. 12 years of life, you have this, this dog with you, and the dog died. And then you cried at least for one whole month. You have you not sanctioned yourself that life? 12 years of mayhem in some life of yours where you are going to be the dog of that, of that person. The puppy will become a human and you are going to become the dog. And that dog will then that human will have to keep on pampering you. So bond of love is also destructive. You have got yourself blindly sanctioned a dog's life. Did you get this? It's an attachment. You have gone and buggered up your entire future. So detachment is important. Don't get attached even in hate or in love. Be samabhav. No hate, no love. Equanimity one single pointedness don't bother about the rest of it why are you getting into attachment with anybody why are you hating somebody so much that hatred is going to come back to you or that love is going to come back to you a million times more and you're going to get irritated you think that one life has ended think about it like this you know let us say now this dog and the master story the master is there the dog is there master and the dog 12 years and the dog dies next life 12 years, he is the master and you are the dog. But you think he is going to give you, suppose uh, X quantity in the next life, he is going to give return X quantity. Sorry. He is going to keep on X plus Y plus Z. So when do you think you are going to return the Y plus Z? There is no, uh, no way of doing that. Got it? So think about it. So that Y plus Z will take you not one more life, but maybe many more lives. And then every life that Y, Z will become A plus B plus C and D and E and F. And then you have all the 26 alphabets in your world. And you are just going round and round in circle. A to Z, Z to A, A to Z, Z to life. So don't get into these kind of attachments with anybody in this world. No father-mother, no brother-sister, no husband-wife, no dog and um, master and all that. The more you sit with your dog, remember you are going to become the dog and, he, and the dog is going to become the master and is going to run his fingers over your head. So think about yourself as a dog uh, like that, you know, uh, hanging your, ta- your tongue out some day and your master, that dog is going to be your master. Why get into these kind of things? I know it may sound, oh, it's a nice thing, become a dog and see. Then after that you will never say, no it's a nice thing. Some day you have to eat haddi and some day you have to eat only sukha roti. But this is a telling you more for a material human being, right? Yeah. No, the question which but uh, had put was, very good question it was, what she said was, is that why Ramakrishna Ji, So what happens is, you have yourself sanctioned a number of life for yourself. And Ramprishnan ji had said, you know, till the time you don't reach the other side, you are still a tadpole. You think that people are are reaching the other side, no. They can keep on trying. The tadpole can try to jump out of the water. After some time, he has to go back into the water because his gills do not take that. That is the reason why, first try to illuminate by learning and that is why sadhana is important. What did he say? Righteous life is important. We have to be righteous in this life. Yes, self-effort is so very important. If you are not going to be righteous, If you are going to continue, suppose you are a robber, you continue robbing, 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 robbing and you have to become righteous. You have to stop that activity. You have to put a, draw a line and stop it. That is why it is important. See, we have got another 12 more minutes. Do you think we should continue? I think there is a note over here, but I don't think we should do the note because the note has no... We'll do the next chapter. It's a very small chapter. So we'll do chapter 22. Gurunath's advent at Gangapur. From this chapter onwards begins the glorious saga of Gangapur. It begins the narrative of Gurunath. Making the old dry buffalo yielding milk copiously. While thus relieving the poverty of a Brahmin couple of Gangapur. Implicit obedience to the Guru and unquestioning faith in his words are needed both in the worldly matters as well as spiritual sadhana. There is nothing that cannot be achieved. Shraddhavana labhate jnanam jnanam says Bhagavad Gita very difficult for me to understand this kind of words (laughs) okay like this okay (laughs) okay so let us see what it means implicit obedience to the guru see I have the funniest part is this you know the spiritual world is one The material world is another. The master, the spiritual master has a very very important say in both the worlds. Not in one world. First and foremost, every human being is in the material world, this you have to understand. So the job of the guru, the job of the spiritual master is to start cutting off those bonds of the material world. So he teaches techniques. Try to understand this. Why does the guru guide a person in the material world? Try to understand why does he guide the person in the material world? Spiritual world, he is giving spiritual knowledge but the material world is the most dangerous thing on planet earth. Why is it so? Let us say for example, you have a child who is some 4 or 6 years old. Now he goes for playing cricket, or he goes to sing a song. You know that um, uh, what do you say? Classical music. He is gone to learn classical music, or he has gone gone to learn Kathakali or Bharatnatyam or something like that. Some dance form. The master who is there he is looking at that person and saying, "Oh, this is a wrong note. You are not supposed to sing like that." The person is doing a sing song like that okay? Or he is dancing with two left, left feet So what does the master do? You are doing material worldly things All that you know in the physical world So he tells you the technique of removing those errors Isn't that what he does? So in the spiritual world the master is perfecting you in the spiritual path and in the material world he is removing the imperfections. So the master talks a lot about material world for removing the imperfections. This is what people don't understand. So did you get it? So this line is very very important. Implicit obedience to the Guru and unquestioning faith in his words are needed both in worldly matters as well as the spiritual sadhana. In spiritual sadhana he is perfecting you. In the material world he is removing the imperfections. So he guides you in the material world to remove those imperfections in your world. Alright. So Namdarak told Siddhamuni that that his listening to the sacred Guru Charitra had very much awakened the spiritual yearning and had illumined many higher and spiritual truths from him. He vociferously expressed his gratitude to Siddhamuni. He said he was keen to know about Guru Nath's day and Leela's at Gangapur. Siddha Muni resumed the narrative. Sri Narasimha Saraswati made Gangapur more or less his permanent abode after coming coming from Amrapur. He lived there in his visible form continuously for 24 years. In the beginning, however, he did not allow himself to be seen by many and rather lived more in seclusion. Most of the time he used to remain in the Bhima Amraja Sangam. However, as days passed on on, he chose to allow himself to be seen by more and more people. Now that Bhima Amraja Sangam is the place where everybody sits over there with the table and the stools, you know that they are sitting at that particular place. Those who came with me, it's a very, today it's an extremely dirty place. Because they conduct all those death rites and all that over there. But earlier the place was clean enough, today it's, it's become a very dirty place. Just in front of that is that particular, you know, mountain of ash. Those who have come with me will know this. At Gangapur there lived a poor Brahmin. The Brahmin used to ache out his living by seeking alms in the village. He had one buffalo which was very old and got dry, long back. He was however keeping the buffalo because some grocer used to hire it for carrying salt bags and used to fetch the Brahmin a little money now and then. One day Guru came to his house of the Brahmin asking for bhiksha. At that time the Brahmin was away having gone out for alms into the town. The brahmin's wife welcomed Gurunath and requested him to wait for the Bhiksha till the husband returned home with arms. But Gurunath told her that he was not able to wait for that long. He said that a little milk will do for the, for the Biksha. The woman said she was very sorry there was no milk at all in the house. Gurunath then pointing to the buffalo in the yard said, You have a buffalo there. How then do you say there is no milk in the house? The woman said, the buffalo has been dry since many years now and it was kept by them because they got a little money from it now and then. And when people took it on hire for carrying salt bags, Gurunath said, I can't believe it. I would like you to milk it and show me whether it is really dry. The woman as the guest was insisting, took a small tumbler, went near the buffalo and started to milk it. Low, milk was flowing out of the udders of the buffalo profusely. The tumbler was too small and she had to fetch bigger vessels from the house to collect the milk. The woman could not believe it at all. She was overjoyed and felt at, felt at Gurunath's feet, pouring out her gratitude for relieving their poverty by making the buffalo wet. She gave the milk as bhiksha to the Gurunath. The news of the miracle which Gurunath performed in the poor brahmin's house spread along the people of the town and around. It also reached the ears of the king. Veneration and devotion to Gurunath started growing in people's heart. The Brahmin couple thereafter frequently used to go to Amraja Sangam to offer their prayers and worship to Gurunath. Thus ends the 22nd chapter of Sri Guru Charitra describing Vandiya Mahishir Dohanam Glory to the All-Merciful, <coughs> the Omnipresent and the Ever-Responsive Gurunath. So we did a story. Now there is a very strange thing in the story which you have to understand. When the Guru comes and says some words what we do is Hum loog us ko maratim be Dur durlaksh means we do not pay attention to the words that he says <coughs> He says them in out of you know jest He says them out of some fun Or sometimes he says them out of very seriousness And you may think oh what is he talking about Like say for example Like what Gurunath did over there He looks at the buffalo and says Why are you not giving me milk from that buffalo? The buffalo has stopped giving milk many years ago. Then how will it give the milk? Logical thinking in our mind will say there is nothing over there. So you think your guru is an idiot who is pointing out towards the buffalo and saying go and milk the buffalo. Implicit faith is very very important. Go and milk the buffalo you will find that milk is flowing from there. Sometimes in this world, the master says a few words. And he says, go do this. Or, why don't you go and try this out? It sounds like a very stupid command. The command is stupid because it may seem that, oh, I don't think that there is anything over there. We have already cut off and we have said that Nothing exists over there. You have negated the whole universe. But he is the master of maya, he is the master of the universe. Why are you doubting him? Why not go over there and do what he is telling you to do? Let us say for example, somebody is there in this material world. That person is good in a particular activity. He has done his graduation in computer sciences. And the master looks at him and says, oh, why don't you go and do, uh, let us say, chemistry? The person will say, chemistry? I don't know any chemistry. You know, chemistry I left about 500 years ago. Sorry, you left it when you were in school and college. Is that what you are trying to tell him? So you think he is an idiot telling you go and do chemistry or something like that? Why not do it and see for yourself what happens? It's like the odour of that buffalo. Milk will start flowing from there. The most places where you think things don't exist, they create this kind of atmosphere so that you understand that truth is called faith. The faith is the most important thing in the world. And faith in the words are extremely important. We overlook them. We do not pay attention to these words. So paying attention to the words are very very important. Think about it. There is a place. Maybe a small store. Yes. Vakya. There is a small store. The store has been making losses all their lives. And the master says. Why don't you do something like that over there? And the person says. Oh but you know there is no such thing existing in the material world oh is that so oh i didn't know about it okay i'm going again it may so happen that you don't have any money in your pocket and you say to the person and the and this person comes uh, the spiritual person comes and says you know can you give me 10 rupees and you say you know what i don't have any money in my pocket my pocket is empty so he says Why don't you look in your purse, maybe you will find 10 rupees over there. And you say, I just checked it. I just checked my purse, there is no money in it. So he says, why don't you look? And you look over there. And then you find a thousand rupee note. How does that work? Where there is zero, now there are thousands. How does that work? It is called implicit faith. Implicit faith in Guru's word is very very important. It may sound like a very foolish or a stupid statement. But that faith is important. And this faith can never be questioned. It is like Swamiji said one day to the person go to the market and get something and the person says oh sir it is raining I cannot go out and then he sits over there go out in the rain the rain will automatically stop and the rain will stop so this is what is called implicit faith and the material the master is the master of not only the spiritual But of the material elements as well. So he guides in the material. As well as in the spiritual world. In the spiritual world. He is giving you perfections. He is sharpening your knowledge. Towards perfection. And in the material world. He is removing all the shaft. All the dirt. All the muck that is there on your body. Or your mind. So he is a master of both the worlds. Not a spiritual master. Spirituality is comprising of both these worlds together so that is what this chapter is all about so i shall end over here and then we shall see tomorrow okay so